Psalm 27 in your Bibles. And I, I won't get through the whole psalm, I'll promise you that. I'd like to get through about the first four or five verses. But it says in Psalm 27, verse number 1, The Lord is my, what's that word? Light. And my, what's the next word? Salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. David said in verse 13, I had fainted. I had given up. <laughs> I had thrown in the towel. It was all over unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And aren't you glad for the goodness of the Lord? Aren't you glad for his goodness every day? Verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us tonight as we look at your word and as we go through this psalm. Lord, I pray that we would not miss these truths. I pray that we would not uh, tune out because of familiarity. I pray that we would not be distracted tonight, but Lord, I pray that our focus and our attention would be upon what thus saith the Lord. I thank you for this psalm and how it's helped me, and I pray tonight that you would allow this psalm to be a help to each and every person here. I pray for those who are not able to be here, those in the hospital, those in nursing homes, those who are shut in, uh, Lord, those out of town, but Lord, maybe the situation they're going through, Lord, that this psalm and this truth would be a help to them. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us and give us what we need from your word. We are a needy people, but we know that your word meets our needs and your word satisfies and your word guides and directs our every, uh, every uh, day, every step, every, every decision we make. And I pray you'd help us in Jesus' name. Amen. I do not know what all of you are going through. I, I think about so many and I thought about it this morning as I was not preaching in the early service and so I kind of got to scan the crowd a little bit 
and uh, just 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 think and just ponder and just enjoy just the service and the singing and the preaching. But you know it's amazing if we were to go around the room tonight, everybody here has a burden. Everybody. You say not me. Well, you're you're just trying to uh, pull a fast one over on us because we all do. We all have struggles. We all have burdens, and uh, many of us, if. If, if, if the person next to you knew what you were going through, they'd probably be amazed you're in church tonight. But can I tell you, you've come to the right place. And I've come to the right place because when we go through difficulty, we need the house of God and we need the word of God. We need the people of God. I want to draw your attention to Psalm 27, the first verse. It starts and says, the Lord is my light. You know, we have not studied this in some time. I was thinking about it this week. But the names of God are such a powerful study. For instance, we know when it says the Lord, we know this is talking about God. But notice with me, if you would, in verse number one, in, in your Bible, I assume it's the same as it is in mine, but there's a capital L, and then O-R-D is in small caps. Not, not lowercase, but small caps. How many of your Bibles, it's like that? You see what I'm talking about there? Okay. Well, that's on purpose. That is because that name, Lord, it gives us one of the aspects or one of the particular names of God. For instance, when you come across that word, that word Lord, it literally it is Jehovah. It is the, he, God is the eternal one. He is the self-existent one. We go back to the book of Exodus and that's where we find that God said to Moses, he said, tell Pharaoh that I am has sent you. Well, that, that's Jehovah. That is the self-sufficient, the eternal, the everlasting one. That is God. I tell you, we would not be here tonight if it were not for somebody else. I would not be here tonight if it were not for my parents. Uh, I would not have survived this far if it were not for some babysitters and some teachers and some coaches and some pastors and some youth pastors. I've need people to help me. I've needed people to help me every step of the way, and so have you. We, we, we count on people. We count on people uh, for our food. You say, no, I don't. I go to the grocery store. Well, guess what? Somebody's got to get it to the grocery store. Uh, you count on somebody to make sure that your heat is working and to make sure that your water is running and to make sure that uh, you can survive. We are all reliant upon somebody, but God's not. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need anybody. He's always been. He always will be. And if we let him down, he's still God. And if we disappoint him, he's still God. That's who he is. He is the I am God. He is self-existent we need God but he does not need us but I'm glad that he wants us and I'm glad he'll use us but the name Lord there is another uh, Lord that you'll find in the Bible it's capital L then lowercase o-r-d and that is the name Adonai which really talks about God as a master and uh, I hope that he is your master. I hope you listen. I hope you obey what God tells you to do and what God tells me to do. There's another name that we find in the Bible, and it's uh, uh, found many times. It's the word God, capital G-O-D, little uh, lowercase o-d. That's the word Elohim. And um, that's, uh, so you'll see God, and you'll see Lord, and then you see Lord with uh, capital L and small caps, and you'll see those different names. Then throughout the 
Old Testament, you'll see Jehovah with another name attached. For instance, you'll find the name Jehovah Jireh. Well, he's Jehovah. He's the I am. He's the self-existent. He's the everlasting God. But Jehovah Jireh means that that God, he will provide what you need. Aren't you glad that he provides? Aren't you glad he's the Jehovah Jireh? There's Jehovah Shalom, which is God, my peace. Well, I'll tell you, this world needs peace. And I'll tell you how we'll find peace. We'll find peace in God. And he is our Jehovah Shalom. There's Jehovah Shammah. I love that name. It's found at the end of the book of Ezekiel. That name Shammah literally means faithful or someone who is ever present. I tell you, God is always on duty. He is always there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And the God that we're talking about, the Lord, the Jehovah that David is talking about, he will always be there. He's always faithful. There's Jehovah Rapha, that's God my healer, and Jehovah Sid Kenyu, God my righteousness, and Jehovah Nissi, God my banner. And there's, there's, there's different names for God, but I want to tell you, I am so thankful that the Lord, the Jehovah God, the everlasting God, He is my light. If you're taking notes, number one, I'd like to say that the Lord is my light. You see, when you have the light, you have nothing to be afraid of. Remember when you were a child? Remember how you were terrified of the dark? Or maybe you wouldn't admit it, or maybe some of you were not. But let's be honest. How many of you remember a time when you were afraid of the dark? Like last week. No, no, no. But you, you remember. You know what, you're ta what we're talking about. You know what's amazing is you can be in that room and everything's perfectly fine in that bedroom and... and uh, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, Mom. I don't know if we ever, I think we had nightlights. I, I do remember one nightlight we had. But uh, our girls, they've got to have nightlights. I mean, that's just like a must. I mean, that's just, you know, mandatory to go to bed. Any other children in here that have nightlights? Well, I guess they're all in pastor's time. Isabel, you still have a nightlight? <laughs> now, folks, folks, I told you the other day how Brother Curry... I told you how he influences our children in uh, master clubs. Well, we need to pray for his daughter. Isabella doesn't have a nightlight. She just got Christmas lights up in her room. I'm telling you what. Do we know how many days till Christmas, Brother Curry? You have a countdown? 130. Okay, well, good. 130 days left till Christmas. But you know, it's amazing when you got that light in the room, everything's okay. Or maybe if you're a little scared and you just flip that switch and that light comes on and, and, and there wasn't a problem, but, but you were afraid, you were fearful that there was a problem. I want to tell you, when you've got the Lord, He is your light. When I have the Lord, He is my light. And the verse says, whom shall I fear? You name the person. Who are you going to be afraid of? Who's going to hurt you? Who's going to do something to you when you have the Lord as your light? Of whom shall I be afraid? David said in verse 3, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I want to tell you, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, and we have confidence that wherever we go, the Lord is our light. You should be afraid when you do not have the light. But when you have the light of the Lord, who is the light of the world, you and I have nothing to fear. 
my aunt and uncle were saying the other day, uh, yesterday we were talking about their trip, and they went by and visited the Mammoth Caves in Kentucky. How many of you ever been to the Mammoth Caves? Anybody ever been there? You are kidding me. Oh, you've got to go. It's unbelievable. It is considered the longest cave system in the world. They have 400 miles of caves that they've surveyed. I mean, it, they, they know for sure there's probably much more. 400 miles of caves underground. It's unbelievable. There are rooms you can go in and you'll, you'll go down these steps and it's amazing up at the entrance it could be 95 degrees and you get down in that cave and it's probably like 55 degrees or, or colder and just just go down some steps and you're deep in the earth and 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 you'll walk down the, these steps and you go through this trail hanging on and they've got these just these dim lights to light your your path and then you get down there and they flip a switch and the room that you're in in the cave is almost the size of this auditorium it's unbelievable it's an awesome place to go if you have light. I would not want to be in that place without the light. Can I tell you, you and I in our lives, we go through some difficult times. We all do. David did. David went through some times when his whole world was upside down. He had his father-in-law, King Saul, who was trying to kill him. And he had his own son, Absalom, who turned on him. As a matter of fact, speaking of caves, Dave, David literally spent time in caves hiding for his life. But even when he was in the caves of his life, he said, The Lord is my light. Whom shall I fear? Aren't you glad that the Lord is your light? We live in a dark world, but I'm glad we have the light. Things may be difficult, but we have the light. Things may seem confusing. Things may be hard to figure out. And, and by the way, when you're in a dark place and you're stumbling and you, you can't figure out what's around you and what's going on, that, this world may seem like that to you and I at times. But aren't you glad we have the light? Aren't you glad that God makes everything clear and God will show us and he'll direct us? And Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't have to worry about uh, Brother Curry's path. I don't have to worry about Brother Mike's path or Brother David's or Brother Dean's path. I don't have to worry about their path. I just have to worry about my path. And the Lord is going to lead you and me in our path through his word. It's light to our path. When you have the light and you let it shine, you can be a blessing and you can encourage others along the way. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord who is our light. We sing that song. We sang it actually in um, the children's choir tonight. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I hope you do let your light shine. But I want to remind you, you and I don't have a light to shine without the Lord. He is the source of our light. And if we don't have the Lord in our life, and if we don't have his word in us, and if we don't have the power of God on us, we don't have much of a light to shine for others to see. But I'm glad that the Lord is our light. He's the source of our light. Number one, the Lord is my light. Secondly, I'd like you to see also in verse number one, it says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Number two, I see in this psalm that the Lord is my liberty. You see, salvation is deliverance. Salvation here is victory. And obviously, when we talk about getting saved, we talk about being born again. 
But this word in Psalm 27 is not just talking about a regeneration. It's talking about literally God rescues or God delivers or God gives us the victory. Now, for David, when David said, the Lord is my salvation, he's talking about the next couple verses. He said, you see, there's some times where I've got an enemy all around me. They, 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 they sang about Saul and David. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Can you imagine having a thousand people around you ready to kill you? David and his mighty men and some of the judges, they experienced that. They were literally surrounded by enemy soldiers and they were the only one. But David said, it doesn't matter how many are around me. Doesn't matter how many enemies I've got. Doesn't matter how strong they are because the Lord is my salvation. Can I tell you, without the Lord, we don't have victory. Without the Lord, we don't have deliverance. Without the Lord, we ain't got nothing. But David said, the Lord is my salvation. You see, before you met the Lord, before I met the Lord, we weren't doing very well. We were not in a good spot. It wasn't like we were kind of, you know, 50-50. We were kind of average. We were doing okay. And then the Lord came by and just kind of helped us the rest of the way. When the Lord came by, we were in a pit, Psalm 40 says. It wasn't a good pit. It was a horrible pit. We were stuck in the miry clay. We were sinking deep in sin. We were in bondage. We were enslaved. Our, uh, our uh, condemnation, our, our uh, 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 predicament was that we were condemned to a place called hell. That was before Jesus came by. There was nothing you could do to improve and nothing I could do to improve our situation. There was nothing we could do to get out of that pit. There was nothing we could do to save ourselves. Oh, but then Jesus came by. And aren't you glad he passed by? And aren't you glad that he picked you up? And aren't you glad he lifted you up? And aren't you glad he gave you and me liberty from sin? He freed us from the chains of sin. I'm glad he reached way down to save me. And I'm glad he reached way down to save you. Have you ever been trapped? I'm talking about physically. Have you ever been trapped? Have you ever been maybe, uh, maybe stuck in an automobile after an accident? Uh, maybe you've, uh, I, hope, I hope you haven't been locked up, but if you have been locked up, you know the feeling. Uh, I, I've been in jail. They've, they've always let me out because I've gone in to see people, but they let me out. But I'll tell you one thing. It's a scary feeling when you get behind those bars. It's a scary feeling when you get in that place. And Miss Heather, you pray for her. She spends a lot of time in jail. And we're, we're praying for her when she works at the jail. But anyway, it's true. You do spend a lot of time at the jail. But you ever been trapped? Uh, you, you ever been, maybe you had a, an older brother or sister. Used to like, like to lock you in a closet or lock you in a shed or whatever. And they thought it was funny and you didn't think it was so funny. Can I tell you, David knew what it was to be trapped. He knew what it was to literally have his life in the balance. I've never, I've, as I told you, I've never been in a place like that. Uh, I, I use this, this is humorous. When I was in uh, high school, we went to a teen camp and we had just moved 
my, our family had just moved to Illinois, uh, to Genesee. We've been in Rockford, and um, we were looking for a teen camp to go to. And we got an advertisement one day for a, a, a teen camp, a Christian camp. And um, we, we didn't know much about the camp. We knew a few preachers that had preached there, and so it was just for guys. So we thought, oh, that'd be great. You know, that'd be awesome. You know, just a guy's camp, and that'd be great. So some of us guys, we went to this camp, and we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We thought it was going to be teen camp. You know, for our teens, I mean, teen camp's fun. I mean, it's great activities, and it's exciting, and all that good stuff. And we got to this teen camp, and we're pulling in, and we're riding in this van, we're pulling up and we see people out in the field standing in military formation and they're marching and we we see people barking out orders and we're thinking did we make a wrong turn and then I, I don't know who said it somebody said it or, or, or I thought it I thought well maybe it's like every day there's like a different theme you know maybe it's gonna be a sports day and this is military day and you know I don't know, I didn't, you know, I just thought, hey, it's going to be great, and so we got there, and um, we didn't realize, we didn't realize how trapped we were until the van pulled off, and we were there at this teen camp for the week, and, um, and they were, they were, well, they were in our faces, it wasn't like Marines, Brother Curry, you know, obviously, I've never been to real boot camp, but that's how I pictured it, and they were in our faces, they're saying, you're going to get up at this time, and you're going to do this, and, and we're all just like, oh, yeah, this is cool, you know, this is great. With some kind of a skit or something, you know, it's, yeah, it's no big deal. I remember it really hit me the next morning at about 5 a.m. Now, this is teen camp. At 5 a.m. when there's these, they weren't counselors, they were drill sergeants. They came into the cabin and they said, all right, everybody up, get out of here. They're just going crazy. Everybody dressed, everybody out on the field. And we weren't in trouble. That was just, that's how the day started. And so we go out there and we're lining up and they say, all right, we're going to march. And so we start marching and somebody got out of Fort Me. We're, we're high school, junior high and high school kids. And somebody got out of formation. They said, all right, everybody stop. Everybody give us 20 push-ups or whatever it was. And we're thinking, ooh, this isn't a game. <laughs> They're for real. And it was like that all week long. You say, how was the food? You don't want to know. Say, well, what were the activities like? There weren't any activities. That was it, almost the whole week. Now, we had preaching and we had services, and we look forward to that, let me tell you. But the rest, it was intense. It's, you say, why do you say all that? Because I remember as we were pulling away from that teen camp, I remember the feeling of freedom. <laughs> I have never enjoyed a meal as much as I enjoyed that first meal when we got away from that camp I want to tell you, I mean, it was like every, every bite, I just chewed it, savored it, and I mean, I, I ate, I was starving to death, but I ate slowly, and oh, it was so good, I'll never forget that meal, but can I tell you, in our lives, we get trapped, we get trapped by sin, we get trapped by the trials and the burdens. David said, even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. David said, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my liberty. David knew what it was to have freedom from chains and freedom from bondage and freedom from the enemies that encamped around him. On the battlefield, David knew that very rarely was there a plan B. 
if you lost on a battlefield in Bible times, you were killed, you were tortured, or maybe at best you were just taken captive. But David said, I'm not worried. I'm not concerned about the enemy. I'm not concerned about the battle because I know who is going to win the battle. And he said, the Lord is my salvation. David said in the next verse, verse number uh, three, he said, even though an enemy should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Well, I wish I had that kind of confidence. I want that kind of confidence, that kind of trust in God that no matter what the opposition looks like, no matter what the situation looks like, no matter how bad it is at your workplace, no matter how bad it is in your family, no matter how bad it is with your health or your finances, I want to tell you there is deliverance in the Lord. He's able. And David said, the Lord is my liberty. He is my light. Number three, quickly, the Lord is my life. It says in verse number one that the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, liberty is good, but if you don't have any strength, it doesn't do you a lot of good to be free. But the Lord, David said, is the strength of my life. You see, for David, the Lord was David's life. David's life revolved around the Lord. You see, David's purpose was living for the Lord and pleasing the Lord and serving the Lord. Let me say this, if I'm reading my Bible and the Lord is my life, reading my Bible is not a burden. That's a privilege. If the Lord is my life and if he is my purpose and if he's the reason I get up in the morning and he's the reason I go to work and he's the reason that I serve and he's the reason that I, I give and he's the reason that I do everything, then prayer is not drudgery. And going to church is not a sacrifice and going to church is not an inconvenience and serving and giving. Those things are a privilege when the Lord is our life. I'm thankful that the Lord is our reason for living. Revelation says it like this, that we were created for his pleasure and for his honor and for his glory. He's the strength of my life. He's our strength for the journey. He's our strength through trials. He's our strength for serving. He's our strength to do what is right. He is our strength to face tomorrow. I told the children at this past kids' crusade, I told them the story about a preacher I heard years ago who was talking about getting on an airplane. And as he was getting on that airplane, he was looking for a seat, and he, he found where his seat was, and he needed to, to get past a lady who was sitting on the aisle. And he asked the lady, he said, ma'am, he said, I need to uh, get by you here to get to my seat. And the lady had a, uh, a big, uh, big poster-sized paper that she was holding out in her lap, uh, like the size of a map, but it was rolled up, kind of like a poster would have been. And, she was looking at it. It was all spread out. She was looking at it on the airplane. And the lady said to the preacher, she said, well, sure, she said, but before you do, she said, would you like to see what's on my picture here? <laughs> the preacher wasn't really that interested. He said, well, uh, you know, I mean, I just need to get to my seat. She said, no, 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 you don't understand. What I have on this picture here, this is my life. This is what I live for. She said, as a matter of fact, I'm traveling right now. This is my personal vacation time I'm taking just because of what's on this picture and the preacher realized he wasn't going to get in his seat until he said okay I'd like to see it and so he asked the lady he said okay I'd like to see it what is it and she turned that picture around and 
pictured on that poster was a big whale. And she wasn't kidding either. That was, she was serious. Her life mission was to save the whales. Now, friend, I don't have anything against the whales. But I want to tell you this. There's more important things in life to live for than saving the whales. There's souls that need to be saved. There's people that need the gospel. There's families that need to be helped. There are people that need prayer and encouragement. And there is a life that is worth living for Christ that's far more valuable than saving the whales. You say, well, that lady, she didn't have a clue. and She didn't know. But I, many times I, I think about that and I think, well, I, I wouldn't carry around a poster. But I wonder if I did, I wonder what would be on my poster. I wonder what would be on my picture if I were to show you today and show you a picture and say, this is my life. This is what I live for. This is my enjoyment. This is my pleasure. This is my excitement. This is, this is my passion. This is why I get up in the morning. I wonder what would be on there. By the way, I wonder what would be on yours. I hope it would be something like the Lord, our family, serving God, something that really matters. I, and by the way, I, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but that's okay. For some, I wonder if we were really honest, I wonder if it would say hunting or fishing or sports or shopping or money or car or house or boat or hobby or go ahead and you can fill in the blank and I'm not against those things but if those things are our life then our priorities are out of place because David said my life is all about the Lord notice verse number four he said one thing he said, I've narrowed it down. There's one thing in my life that I'm living for. There's one thing that I'm looking for. One thing have I desired of the Lord. He said, here's my heart's desire. That will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Here is King David who could have had anything he wanted. Here's what he said. My desire is this. I want to spend time with the Lord. That's what he said. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He said, I just want to spend time with the Lord. Well, guess what? I've got good news for you. You and I can do that every day. We can spend time with the Lord. David said, I want to spend time with the Lord. I want to see him to behold the beauty of the Lord. David said, I just want to get a glimpse of the Lord. I want to see him. Now, I understand you're not going to go home tonight and you're not going to see the Lord and he's not going to appear to you in a visible form. Uh, I've heard some people say that he has and all that, but I, he's not going to do that. But I'll tell you this, you can see him and you can know he's real. and You can hear his voice and you can talk to him and you can feel his presence in your life. You can see and you can know that God is real. David said, that's what I want. I don't know if in David's time, you, you see uh, Asaph talked about it in Psalm 73, but I don't know if in, in David's time there were a lot of people that were just going through the motions and just the religious crowd. I don't know, but David said, I don't want to be that crowd. I want it to be real. 
I want to see the Lord. I want to know he's real in my life. And I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. And David said, I want to inquire in his temple. Verse number four. David said, I just need to talk to God. I just need to talk to him. And I need to hear him talk to me. I just need to communicate with my Lord. Guess what? You can do that too. And I can do that too. Hebrews tells us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You and I have access to the throne. You and I have access to the presence of God through Jesus. We don't have to go to a temple. We don't have to offer a sacrifice through a high priest. As a matter of fact, your body, if you're saved, your body and my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And you can have what David desired. And you and I can experience what David longed for. He said, the Lord is my life and the Lord is my longing. Lord,